0: Crime side, the New York Times side. Staying alive was no job at second hands. Moms bounced on old man. So then we moved to Shallon land. A young youth, you're rocking the go tooth. Low goose. Only way I began to G York was drug loot, And let's start it like this, son. Rollin' with this one and that one pulling up Hello for and fun. welcome <laughs> to Episode team. Nine of Jake's <laughs> World. <laughs> episode nine. I'm your host, Jake Swinski. Today is Monday, May 11th, 2020, and I have a lot of things to talk about on today's show. Yesterday was Mother's Day, so of course I would like to give a happy belated Mother's Day to all the the moms out there. Couldn't do life without moms. Moms are the best, right? You know what my mom did for Mother's Day? Well... Saturday, I didn't do anything. I watched like eight episodes of The Wire. HBO, recommend, by the way. Really good, really good show. Watched some movie before going to bed. Had a few drinky poos, and I woke up a little later than usual. I don't sleep well. Anyone who knows me knows that. I'm a horrible sleeper, and I finally got to sleep, and I took advantage of it. I wake up at like 9:30. I lay in bed for, you know, half hour, 45 minutes and I'm like, okay, I'll get up. I'll call mom. I wasn't able to make it home for the weekend. So, I'm a good son. I'm going to call. I won't forget. I did forget my mom's birthday once like my freshman year of high school and I felt horrible. I felt so bad about it. So, I made a vow that day to never forget anything regarding my mom and holidays or birthdays or anything. I'll never forget it again. <clears throat> And I called in like 10, 15, 10, 20, whatever. And my like, happy Mother's Day mom, she's like, oh, thanks, thanks. And I was about to, you know, invest 30 minutes an hour to talk to her on Mother's Day, one of her special days. And she's like, I can't talk long. I have to watch church. Fucking coronavirus. Are you kidding me? I put and make so much effort, you know, to be a good son and remember my mom on Mother's Day. And the fucking Pope cucks me. So happy Mother's Day, Mom. I hope you listen to this. I'm not happy about getting cucked by the priest on TV. Now that was yesterday. And today I woke up to some very sad news. Very sad news. I lost my TV dad. If you listen to episode four of Jake's World, I call that my magnum opus. That is probably the best idea I will ever have. Taking a podcast that practically nobody listens to and making myself appear like the best sitcom character of all time, George Costanza, the bizarro Jake, Available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Go download. Listen. It's funny. I think. Well, George's dad in the show, Frank, his real life, his character, this guy in real life, is Jerry Stiller. He passed away. I think he said age 92. It's a long life. A good life. Married to his wife for 62 years. Son, Ben, is a pretty good comedy actor. I mean, he's pretty well-known. Dodgeball, probably my favorite role of his. Um, Meet the Parents, Tropic Thunder, Zoolander, all kinds of movies, all kinds of projects that he's been a part of. Heavyweights, underrated one, by the way. I lost my TV dad. I'm George. Frank is no longer with us. And I just want to take a few moments to talk about Frank on the best sitcom ever, Seinfeld. Frank Costanza reminds me of my dad and my real dad, not my TV dad. Frank's my TV dad. But my real dad in so many ways. He'll be sitting there the dinner table and I would say something or more so my brother would say something and he would just explode into a fit of rage just start screaming yelling and he's a loud person too even if he's not yelling he's just talking he's loud it's like damn that's Jim that's Jimbo that's my dad and just some some of the things he does on the show like you have to watch the show to understand Like, I can't describe how Frank, his persona is. It's just, he's brilliant in that role. Like, he does, no one could be Frank Costanza besides Jerry Stiller. No one could do it. And I want to take a few moments to just talk about my favorite moments of Frank. Frank's probably most notable role or not notable role excuse me his most notable quote from the entire series and he was a character and I mean a supporting character in like all nine seasons Serenity Now there's an episode of Seinfeld in season nine where Frank um, some relative named Lloyd I think it's like George's cousin Those three all start selling computers, laptops or whatever, and Frank, or Mr. Costanza decides to come up with this saying to help calm him and suppress his anger, serenity now, insanity later, and the entire fucking cars. The entire episode, he just he'll be doing his thing, and he'll get in an argument with George, and he'll be like, "Serenity now!" and he'll look up at the sky and scream. And it, I, I, I'm doing such a disservice trying to describe how this looks or how this sounds. And if you haven't fucking watched Seinfeld, go do it now. Serenity now. Go do it. Another moment that I love, 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 love. Festivus. In this Costanza household, they did not celebrate Christmas in December. They celebrated Festivus. Instead of, you know, doing Christmas, like with the gifts and all the things that come with, you know, celebrating the Christmas season, the Costanzas had a special ritual. And it involved several different things, right? In the episode they all the whole gang, Jerry, Kramer, Elaine, George, they all go over to the Costanza household for Festivus. And they're all eating dinner. And there are certain celebrations that are customary to the Festivus holiday. The airing of grievances, the feats of strength, The Aluminum Pole, on top Festivus dinner, and then Festivus Miracles. And this whole episode revolves around this whole celebration in the Costanza kitchen. And it is the most ridiculous thing. Just George being tormented because of his haunting memories of his childhood celebrating Festivus instead of Christmas like a real boy. Once again, I'm doing a disservice, but you need to watch it. There's a ton of moments, too, where Frank was just brilliant on the screen. Um, There's a blooper reel at the end of the season, like, or at the end of the series. Not the last episode, but the second to last episode. They do, like, an hour-long special, and they do, like, a ton of the best moments from the series and recording. And you see all the cast, Larry David, the director, all these guys are In there you know Showing like the behind the scenes Of Seinfeld And Frank messed up This one scene on purpose Like over and over and over again And like Elaine and him couldn't get it right She's a smoke still by the way They couldn't get it right And it was just like He was so funny Like Even in like We only see the show And he was really funny in the show and they show the blooper reel and he's he's hysterical and Jerry's mom and dad don't like the Costanzas very much. I mean, I wonder why if you've ever seen the show, Frank is ridiculous and so is his wife. They make a vendetta to go to Del Boca Vista, the condo complex in Florida where Jerry and his mom Jerry's dad and his mom retired to. And like they don't want anything to do with each other. And he makes it his personal vision. I will go to the Boca Vista. It's it's good. It's good stuff. Then he gets involved with Kramer. And selling all of his new shirts. Except they have like mothballs in them. And they smell like ass. And I, You just need to watch the show. And the guy was a legend. In the acting community. In the comedy community. Community. Excuse me. And. As a lover of Seinfeld and, you know, film and TV in general, we lost a good one today. So rest in peace, Jerry Stiller. Now on to less serious news. Of course, it's Tuesday when you're listening to this. It's Monday right now for me recording this. You're going to hear about The Last Dance. But before we get there, I caught a little tidbit of news this morning about Zion Williamson. There's a lawsuit involving him that states that he received illegal benefits for going to Duke University to play basketball. Well, no shit. They all do. I'm not going to get too in-depth with this because, I mean, I'm going to probably spend the next 20 or 30 minutes talking about basketball anyways, but... The NCAA just passed um, a mandate or a bylaw, whatever you want to call it, the legal terminology I'm not sure of. Athletes can now get paid off of their own image and likeness, right? Which they should. I mean, I was a D3 athlete. I'm not going to get any check from that, or I wouldn't have even if I were playing now. But, like, the NCAA makes... Billions of dollars every year. Hell, thirty years ago, linebacker for Oklahoma Brian Bosworth like started a crusade against the NCAA, calling them communists, and then caught it on TV. And became a big dilemma on national television. Good thirty for thirty, by the way, Brian and the Boz. But why shouldn't those athletes get paid? Right, they bring in. Billions of dollars is a whole body I mean The college football playoff and the entire You know college football season And March Madness The TV deals they get with all that That's so much money and I mean the fat cats in the suits You know making all these Brokering all these deals between the TV companies And all the networks And the schools They don't do anything We couldn't tell any of them apart The coaches make a ton of money. I mean, Jim Harbaugh makes like a, he gets paid $2 million a year on his contract and $18 million of it is in a whole life insurance policy. Like the guy's family is set for life and life after that and life after that. His generational wealth off of the labor of college students. Why shouldn't they get a piece of the pie? Especially if you have video games and jersey sales and memorabilia and things like that that are them. It's their image and their likeness. Everyone else profits off of it. Why shouldn't they get a piece of the pie? Now, I do see where an issue comes in where the fairness of you know, this compensation compensation comes in just because for instance the University of North Carolina basketball program is going to make a hell of a lot more money than UTEP you know they are duke they're churning in top 10 prospects top 5 prospects all the time and i couldn't tell you who went to university of texas el paso ever i mean some players are going to be like, hey, he's getting help. Why can't I? But that's kind of how capitalism works. You get paid what you're worth, what you bring to the table. Some people aren't as good at basketball or at football or at baseball as you are. Or if you're not as good as someone else or they're not as good as someone else. I see both sides of it, especially in the underrepresented sports, under whatever, like baseball, hockey. Um, Soccer I mean any sport I'm just trying to think of ones That like you know Actually get media attention Relatively From like NCAA sports That you know People moderately pay attention to I love hockey And I played baseball All my life So those two Are big for me But I mean someone who Is die hard Notre Dame football fan Might not give a shit About their baseball program Or their hockey program And those athletes work just as hard as everyone else. And I see where some discrepancies can come in. Like I said, I think these athletes should get compensated for what they're worth. But I can see how the NCAA opened a can of worms by doing so. Because not everyone's going to get an equal slice of the pie. I don't think they should. But a lot of people do think they should. And it it was a lot easier When nobody Got anything because at least Everyone was getting the same zero I don't think that's right But it is What it is now as it pertains to Zion A fucking Course he got paid to go to Duke The guy's the best recruit That I could think of In a long time I mean he's got LeBron James' size, he's just as athletic, if not more athletic. I mean, he's not as smooth or um, well-rounded, but give that some time. Give him three, four years, barring an injury. He's going to be a top ten player in the league, probably top five. Give him a jump shot, too. I mean, he's great inside the rim. He handles the ball pretty well for a guy that size, too. He's like a Mack truck out there. I mean, his jump shot's not good, but he doesn't have to jump shoot in college. Just give him some time; he's gonna be really good. But I'm not the art. What I'm trying to talk about here isn't so much him, but it's Coach Shashetsky. Every NCAA probe that the FBI has done, or any government body, or any law enforcement body, even the NCAA, anything that they've done to look into Duke over the last how many years? Mike Shisewski's always come out scot free. And I think it's time for that to end. I don't care if he coaches the national team or he's won, you know, a handful of NCAA titles and he's got the most wins all time and the most ACC tournament appearances or whatever it is. I don't care. Like, so many other coaches have been dragged through the mud because of, you know, these lucrative packages that they give to these recruits and everyone does it and everyone gets in trouble for it except for him now why is that the case I want to know if somebody knows let me know so I can talk about it I'd love to I love scandalous content this is something good to talk about and I want to know about it I'm going to do my own homework too and see if I can get to the bottom of it but I'm tired of Mike Krzyzewski getting put on a pedestal Without any of the consequences that Rick Bettino, John Calipari, Tom Izzo, any other coach you could think of would be subject to. They all do it. They all bend the rules, break the rules, break the law. Rick Bettino, especially. I mean, I shouldn't have put him in the same light as everyone else because the things he did were like almost criminal, if not criminal. But you get what I'm saying. Why is he exempt from all the consequences when he's clearly doing the same things? And I want to know why. Food for thought. It's time for that last dance. Oh, yeah. Saw 95, 96 last night. That was awesome. Super awesome. Covering episodes seven and eight. Now, I want to do this a little differently than the last few times I've covered the last dance I was watching this and it started with you know James Jordan Michael's father's his murder and it ended that same episode ended with Michael you know giving his philosophy on his mentality on how he approached the game of basketball and that taught or Not taught me, but that got me thinking. Like, I want to approach these two episodes in a way that isn't just, you know, talking about what I thought was cool or insightful about the way they presented the documentary. I want to make this a little more about something that you can take away for your life. Because this episode presented you multiple instances or examples that you could. Take something tangible away from what you watched and apply it to your real life. Now you might be saying, Jake, you're a fucking nerd or you're lame. Why would anyone think about it like that? Like we're just watching greatness. Well, yeah, maybe you should be watching greatness because you're witnessing the greatest to ever do it. But everyone knows what happened. It's a documentary. Why would they be telling you a story without... There are moral to it. The subject is called history. It's a story. His story. It's a little sexist, but it's how it was back then. Sorry. History. A story. Stories and morals. He co- Michael cooperated with all this, and all these guys and all these journalists take part in this to make a f- fantastic finished product that you can take something away from. You could just go Google highlight reels all, all you want. Don't approach this that way. You're learning something behind the scenes that you didn't know about it. And it's supposed to impact you in a way. That's why films are made. Not like the dorky ones. Like the shitty ones. Like Total Frat Movie. Or fuck. I don't know. Any dumb... American Pie. Any dumb movie that you could watch over and over again. Yeah, it's funny. But like for me... Something that tells you a story and leaves you thinking about something or it touches your emotions. thats something that's supposed to do. And this, especially episode 7, that really did it for me. Okay, before we get into that though, titling this episode was really hard for me. Because I usually like to take a quote for these Tuesday episodes from the documentary and apply it there. Then with, you know, Jerry's stiller passing away, this it was like I could have did like the Festivus episode or Serenity Now or whatever. I wanted to go way to go, Craig, and then I'm back. But ninety five ninety six, the best team of all time because they actually sealed the deal. I don't care if the Warriors would beat the Bulls in a straight up series. I don't You didn't win. Sorry. It don't mean a thing without that ring. I love that quote because it's like, you got the flash, you got the pizzazz, you got the swagger, and it's like, I still want to get shit done. We ain't there yet, but we're going to be. I love that quote. James Jordan passing away was huge. a huge takeaway For me because I saw how Michael reasoned with something horrible that happened in his life. Losing someone so close to you in that grotesque way. That brutal and senseless way. Some people. A lot of people. Almost all people would never get over that. I mean it was just senseless in the way that it happened. Like, I've. I had it written down what reporter said. Uh, Mark, I can't read my own handwriting. Damn it, Jake, you're an idiot. Mark, whatever. Something with a V. Sorry. Can't even read my own fucking handwriting. But that reporter said, like, it happened for just greed and brutality. Like, there was no reason for that incident to even take place and the way Mike handled it was unusual because something so negative it's hard to justify any way to uh, any way to handle that in a positive way and Mike found a way to do that he saw his father passing as a way to Do what he wanted to do, no matter what the cost or what other people thought. Because he talked about playing professional baseball, which this documentary goes into, upon the conclusion of the 92-93 season. And his father encouraged him to do that. Mike, that's what you want to do. Do it. There's nothing wrong with that, following your heart, following what you want to do. Even if you don't want to, even if it's a money grab, just follow it. Do it because you want to, and you have earned enough respect and put in the body of work to do that. And as a sports fan, I'm kind of generalizing here, but fans don't realize that. You think your favorite player on your favorite team owes you something, and they don't. And especially in Mike's case, he didn't owe Chicago anything. He won you three titles in a row and built that organization up from a bunch of partying lunatics to a world-class organization. And Bulls were the most popular franchise in the world from probably 19- Michael Jordan getting there. I mean, not quite there, but... 88, 89, when they first got Scottie Pippen, going to the playoffs all the time, up until they won three titles in a row. At that point, now they're the best franchise in the world, most notable franchise in the world. He doesn't know Chicago shit, and he decided to walk away. And that's powerful. Many people don't have the opportunity to do that, Just quit what they're doing and walk away from that. And that's something we should all strive for. Even if you're the best at something. You could be the best fucking tax accountant in the world, but if you hate it and you want to leave and go do something else, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. That's what everyone should strive to do. Do what you love, but if that love fades, try something else. And You know, back to spinning negative into a positive. I've struggled with that too over the last few months. You know, with relationship things. Or being unsatisfied with your job. And taking that leap and just going for it. Sometimes you don't even have to be certain what's on the other side. Sometimes you just have to go and trust the reasons why those things happened. Like, if those things didn't happen to me in January and in March and yesterday or the day before, I wouldn't be here talking into this microphone, preparing to move sort of back home during the week to do a new job. Those things that happen to you stay with you, but they make you who you are. They make your decisions you know, seem real, like it's, there's a reason why you got there, and it doesn't matter what happened, it might have been good, it might have been bad, but it happened, and you're here, and you can't change the past, so, maybe it happened for the right reason, maybe you wouldn't be here if those things didn't happen, no matter how bad they were, and I'm not saying that, you know, James Jordan should have, Done that, gone through that, had suffered that fate. But who knows what would have happened if those were not the events that transpired. Building off of that, though, this is a problem that we still have today. The journalism at the time, the covering of that story was atrocious, abysmal. Any other shitbag word you can think of, it was horrible, just a desecration to journalism. The audacity to do that to someone and, you know, go with it. Like, if you have any moral compass at all, you wouldn't publish a story like that without facts. But that's what journalism is, especially now. It's horrible now. You thought that story was bad? It's commonplace now. Journalism is a cesspool now. Anyone on TV in the major newspapers, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Tribune, LA Suntime, any newspaper you can think of that still actually does, you know, online publications or Fox News, cnbc not CNBC, that's more business stuff, but Fox News, CNN, CNBC, it does I keep saying CNBC, MSNBC, Jake, idiot. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on or what take you have or what network you work for. It's all about clicks now. It's all about getting people's attention and making them read. And that's a fucking shame because the truth used to mean something. And if the truth meant something then, that story about his father being murdered and somehow tying it to... Jordan's gambling habits and his fame, you wouldn't be reaching for the cookie jar or... You know, searching for a needle in a haystack just to get viewers. Like, I would not be... Able, I can't sleep at night already. And if I, like, put somebody through that, I would feel horrible. And, yeah, he's Air Jordan. His airness, the goat. He He's a person, too. He's human. Like, do we not realize that? Like, I don't understand how... You could drag somebody through the mud like that, no matter... It doesn't even matter how good or how bad of a person they are. There's journalistic integrity, and that's not there anymore. People mudsling all the time. It's mostly political things, not so much like, you know, covering actual events and, you know, day-to-day news. It's mostly political talk shows now and things like that, but... There's a line. And the journalists who... You know... Tried to tie Mike's fame... And his... Gambling... I put air quotes on gambling issues... Dude, if he's good for the money... He can do whatever he wants with it. If they try to tie that together... You shouldn't be in... Journal. Like, that's little J journalism. Like... Come on. Man has a family. And... It's not even like it was years after... It was days after. Like, there's. They should be ashamed. And. That's all I gotta say about that. It's just, I guess my moral of the story is think for yourself. Don't just take what the news says for granted. Just think about it. One more thing. I'm gonna talk about it now. I'm kind of jumping ahead because Michael retired. Obviously, I alluded to that. I like. The conspiracy theories that come out of, you know, Michael retiring. Now, after watching that documentary, I just said don't take everything, you know, what they tell you, don't believe it all. But take, I think that's genuine enough, especially after he said, I planned on doing it before, but if it wasn't for the Dream Team, I would have retired, you know, right away to pursue baseball. I just, I do understand why that conspiracy theory is there about how David Stern gave him an 18 month suspension for gambling. It just seemed really convenient when he came back. I can see why some people are like, yeah, Mike got suspended for gambling, forci- forcibly retired, and, you know, shamed away from the league as a punishment for doing that betting on his own team. But that's not. You know, not just Mike's word. It's that same journalist's words, who I couldn't think of earlier and I still can't think of, said, why would David Stern forcibly push away his greatest asset for moral principle, for to teach him a lesson? It's a capitalist country. The NBA is the most, well, I think the NFL does better numbers, but like worldwide popularity, the NBA is the most popular sport. Why would you sh- shy away your greatest money maker? You wouldn't. Stern attested to that. So, that's what I'm going with. And it makes sense, too. Like, if you are a horse, if you bet at horses, or you own horses, you're not going to, you know, not... Run your best horse that day If it makes you money If that, if that horse is a winner Why would you send him out It's like that with anything Why would you Sideline your best asset Your money maker Your go to Why would you do that it doesn't make any sense Baseball The game I love The game I played All my life This one This episode Resonated with me so well also because of baseball. And the lesson that comes with baseball. I'll get into another point I make. Tying off of baseball. Baseball is out of all the games there are to play. I challenge you to find one better. Baseball is the most reflective of life. Right? Right? You, Everyone gets a shot There's no time There's a pitcher and a batter There's fielders on the pitcher's team But it's the pitcher controls the pace of the game It's the pitcher and the hitter That's it If you're a 300 hitter in baseball Chances are you're in the Hall of Fame You're one of the best to do it If you are 30% successful You're successful in baseball And that's so symbolic of life Right There are so many people who Try things and fail Try things and fail Over and over and over again But all it takes is one time Right You could be One for five in a game But that one To walk off home run to win the game Everyone gets a shake You can't run out the clock. You can't, you know, kneel the ball or dump it into the zone, into an empty net. You can't do that. You get your chance. But three out of ten, if you fail seven out of ten times, you're successful. What other sports like that? What other game is like that? And it's so representative of life, right? Because we all make mistakes over and over and over again. But if you come out clean three times out of ten, you had a pretty damn good life. That's just how I saw it. And it just took me back to all, you know, all those baseball memories that I had. And it's kind of like a nostalgia thing. Just... Had a smile on my face watching Jordan's, you know, goofy-ass baseball swing and his Magellan routes to baseballs. But just if you stick with it enough and you can be successful three out of ten times in a game, you can succeed in a game, you can succeed in life. Now, something I... Building off of baseball that I want to talk about is how he was to his teammates and how he gets a bad rap for being a prick or an asshole, shitty teammate. I was the same way in high school. Now, given I went to a very small Division three Wisconsin high school with 13 guys on the varsity team and 12 of them sucked. No, I'm just kidding. But six of the guys on the team had no business being there. And they were there because, you know, mommy and daddy wanted them to do something productive. And I was very competitive. I mean, I'm not saying anything wrong when I'm saying I'm a good baseball player. I was in high school. When I got to college, priorities were different. And I squandered a lot of talent until, you know, like the last three semesters of my career. But the way it is. Can't change it. That's why I'm here. But I remember... I would get so fucking pissed at my teammates when they, you know... Not when they messed up, but when they dogged it. like, And they didn't give a shit. Right? Like, I remember a high school game. I was, must have been a freshman. And, like, the left fielder drops a, like, a gimme pop-up. Like, I probably could have ran from the mound to left field, caught this ball, and ran in. But... He fucking muffs it. And I was like, and then he just lollygags the ball and he throws it in. The guy got like a triple on it because he, he's just lazy. And I remember getting so pissed, right? And the kid was like, who cares? It's just a game. That is such a piss poor attitude to have. Like, even towards some of those ultra competitive teammates, like, in the moment yeah you might be pissed off like I fucked up like I don't look like I care but actually deep down I do care so I can see why like you get irritated and lash out cause like fuck you don't talk to me like leave me alone I just messed up don't make me feel worse like I get that but then maybe after the fact just be like hey man I messed up you'd probably settle the difference right there. But like sometimes teammates get mad at you for like wanting to win. and like that's so wrong. Why are you out there if you don't want to win? Jordan being a teammate like that, is, makes perfect sense to me. If you don't want to win, if you don't want to be the best you can to make everyone around you better and to accomplish something, why are you here? If you're getting paid millions of dollars... You might as well just dry. Now some of the things Mike did... Were a little aggressive... Like punching Steve Kerr in the face. He said he lost it. Okay. Everyone loses their cool. But like... Last week's episode... Was about... I used the, the commercial song. I want to be like Mike. So many people wanted to be like Mike... No one has what it takes to be like Mike. No one has what it takes... I shouldn't say no one. Most people don't have what it takes to be the best at anything they want to do. And you have 15 guys on an NBA roster in practice who are the closest things to being like Mike that anyone could be and they don't even try? Put forth some effort. Like, you're the best in the world at your craft. The least you can do is try to compete with the guy. Like, I don't know, that's just so foreign to me. And, like, I wasn't that good of a baseball player. Like, I played in a shitbag conference with, I mean, like the best two or three guys on each team were talented. I was one of three or four guys in my conference to play college ball at the time I was there. I mean, three of us went D3, one of us went D2. It's like, we were... There are talented guys there, but n- nothing like Mike, of course. Not that talented, but, like, isn't the competitiveness there for anybody in anything? Like, fuck, if you're at a college party playing beer pong, like, don't you want to win? Like, why are you playing if you don't give a shit if you win or not? Because it looks cool to be like, yeah, I don't care, man. Fuck it. I'm going to go bang abroad at the bar. Like. Okay, it's like, I, I, whatever. It's just, I don't like that critique of Mike, you know, being an asshole. It's like, and he said it best. That's how I, that was my mentality. That's how I approached it. And I don't knock him for that, and you shouldn't either. This one's running a little long, so I'm going to wrap it up pretty quick here. Before my last point, I want to talk about Scotty. It's a rat move for quitting on your team. You never do that, especially when you're the guy. Like, Mike was so competitive, and they showed it time and time again throughout the series. He was the guy with the ball in his hands all the time. And Phil Jackson came in and taught him, hey, you don't have to take the last shot. And Mike would have found a way to inbound the ball the best, pass the ball the best, rebound the best, screen the best, anything. And Scotty, you had one of the best dunks in all time on absolutely putting your nuts on Patrick Ewing's mustache on that dunk in the playoffs. That was the most disre- one of the most disrespectful dunks I've ever seen. And ever will see in my entire life. That wasn't cool what you did in that playoff game. Pouton, while coach made the last shot. It's not being a team player. You felt bad, but you said you'd still do it again. Come on, man. That's not cool. The last thing I'm going to say here. Motivation. I wish... I could do what Mike does To get motivated Now There's a big difference to me Between motivation and discipline Like People saying Oh I want to get motivated to work out I'm so motivated to go work out today Or I have no motivation today That's I don't know Like with everyday things It's discipline to me You getting up and going to the gym for your peasant 30-minute lift is discipline. You're not accomplishing anything minus the body you want, which is good. Like, I'm not trying to knock that. I'm just saying, like, you're not going to accomplish anything surreal by just doing the things that most people do every day. Oh, I'm so unmotivated to write my paper or to do my homework, like. No, you just don't have an ounce of discipline in your body because you'd rather smoke weed and play video games all day and party with your friends because you're a dumbass. Everyone goes through that, though. Motivation is, like, the the push you need to get over the edge to just dominate, to me. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. That might have made no sense whatsoever. But what I'm... Kind of fine words. Motivation takes you over the top. What makes you exceptional that day? What makes you want to give it everything you have to achieve something so much more? Mike was so good at that. To invent reasons to do it? I wish I could invent reasons to make myself a sandwich at lunch. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. How he could take a story of a guy, an old teammate, just looking at him at the end of the game and then just absolutely like demolishing him the next night. Or the Bradford Smith saying, nice game, Mike. And then, yeah, he scored 37 that game. I'm going to score 37 in the first half. He scores 36 in the first half, like 47 in the game. After the game. Did he really say that to you? Nah, I made it up. Like, could you imagine being that competitive to have to make up reasons for you to still be competitive? I want to see LeBron do that. And that's how I'm going to wrap this up. I don't like going on Twitter on Mondays or Sunday nights. Because I still see all those bronze sexuals with their stats and thinking it means anything. Oh, LeBron's the best. He's the greatest because uh, he's 6'9", 350 million pounds, and next next week he's gonna be eight feet two. It's like that's just a joke. Like LeBron gets an inch taller and twenty pounds heavier every time you mention his name. But all the stats, all the you know super teams, all the narratives, all the Kevin Durant joining the Warriors to. All the, you know, straight finals and dominating the East. I don't care. If you have a brain and you watch this, LeBron's number two. That's that. Like, you don't have a brain if you still think LeBron is the greatest of all time. I'm sorry. It has nothing to do with basketball talent. You know, before I started watching this, I thought that it was a fair take to say that LeBron James was the most physically talented basketball player of all time. And I'm not even suggesting he's not. I'm just saying I thought that was fair. To say that Mike was the greatest and LeBron was the best. That's not the case anymore. Michael would beat LeBron one-on-one. He'd just talk him to death. LeBron would go cry and drink wine. And tell all of his friends to read The Godfather. and Taco Tuesday. Fucking idiot. Alright, that's our show. So. A little bit of a long one. You know, I try to keep it within 30, 35 minutes. Just, you know, that way you don't have to hear me talk the entire time. But went a little long. Kind of had some fun with it. And that's it. So rate, review, subscribe. I'm really trying to get this thing off the ground, guys. I am on Spotify now. Just type in my name, Jake Sawinski, on Spotify. Jake's World should pop up. Um, Apple Podcasts, of course. Um, rate, review, subscribe, like I said. Please rate, review, subscribe The review I'm not as worried about Like I don't care about your message I I do care I I want honest feedback But if I'm not gonna Ask you to write a love song Or a love poem for me Just click five stars Need publicity Want it to grow I want To take this somewhere So Let's continue to do that And I'll talk to you guys Friday Or Yeah, Friday. So, have a good week, and that's it for me, boys.